Welcome to Dumb Love. I'm Sally Brooks. And I'm Jen O'Neill Smith, and this is a podcast about all of the dumb things that people will do for love. So welcome to episode 82. We're here. It's a new year. It's oh, new thank dawn. goodness. It's a new day. <laughs> I'm a good singer. I'm not a good singer. I'm not a good singer. Wow, you've really you've really been uh, <laughs> like getting better <laughs> improving. <laughs> um, is this the year that I start lying to you or <laughs> no? Trust Are me. Are we going to have a year of radical honesty? I don't know. I know. you and me both man i would love nothing more than to just have a beautiful singing voice Mm -hmm. and to be able to like belt out songs but alas you know (laughs) can i tell you that i used to really think that i had um that's me singing jokingly i can sing better i will just say i can sing better but i used to think that i had a good singing voice until American Idol came out and I was like, look at all these people that think they're good and they're shit. I was like, that's me. <laughs> I'm shit. <laughs> and I don't even know it, but now I do. And then I I, I literally stopped singing because of American Idol because I didn't want to look <gasps> like an asshole. It Jen, ruined- that's like the saddest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, it ruined me. <laughs> oh yeah. I was like a, like I was like a musical theater kid. I thought I could sing well enough. So I think I could. Your mind? Well, I think I just. I, I wasn't American Idol. It was just like, oh, I'm not getting any good parts. <laughs> like, oh. I'm just getting the like. <clears throat> you can sing a couple lines or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> In unison with four other people. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, yeah, I used to do theater as well, um, mm-hmm. but I, yeah, I guess I thought I was talented, and I. Here we are. (laughs) And here we are. And here you are. We're all here in 2021. Made it How was your New Year's? How was your New Year's? It was good. We had the two families that we pod with came over. We ordered dinner from this new – if you live in Atlanta, we ordered dinner from this new restaurant called Viet Bonnets in Avondale Estates, and it was incredible. It was the kind of restaurant where the next day I was like, is that weird if we go back there today? Oh, really? Um, yeah, we got to go food. It's so good. So what did you guys do for New Year's? Oh, man. It was so exciting. We watched the ball drop in Dubai mm-hmm. on YouTube and then put Max to bed. And then I laid on the couch and we watched TV. <laughs> when it drops in Dubai, what time is that here? I don't know. I mean, we did it at like seven. I think it was pre-recorded. I think it happened at like noon. (laughs) You know, that's funny because we kept trying to find um, a country that the ball was dropping at a reasonable time so that our kids could partake. And then we just kept forgetting that we're like, oh, dang it, like 7 o'clock, maybe (laughs) 7.05. And then the next time we turn around, it's like 8.07. And then it was like, and then we got all the way to a week. Our kids were exhausted, but they made it till midnight. Did they? Well, some of our kids made it till midnight. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to make it till midnight. I was perfectly fine with going to bed at 9 o'clock, but. I know. Yeah. Ben was like, 
we have to stay up to midnight. I was like, do we? <laughs> well, Anna, do we need to? <laughs> like a minute after midnight, I was asleep. It's midnight somewhere. It's midnight somewhere. It was midnight in Dubai at like noon, so. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into our quickies. Okay, so Jen, I got my information from a quickie from the Huffington Post, an article by David Moy, and MLive.com by John Agar. All right. And so I wanted to start the new year off right with a quickie about a man who loves one thing more than anything else in his life. And that one thing is... is Porn. Porn. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. So a guy named David Working, he's 42... Uh, He moved into his parents' home in Glen Haven, Michigan in 2016 after he got a divorce, and he left his parents' home a few months later to move to Muncie, Indiana after a quote-unquote incident at the quote-unquote request of local law enforcement and his parents. And so, yeah, it doesn't, no article I found said what the incident was, but obviously. We can use our imagination, I guess. I guess, yeah. And so when he moved, uh, David was unpacking and he discovered he was missing 12 boxes of his prized pornographic films and magazine collection. 12 boxes? 12 boxes, uh, among other boxes. So apparently this was just part of his computers for that now. Get a hard drive, (laughs) dude. Right? Just use the internet. Get a subscription. So he asked his parents about the boxes and was like, I need you guys to send me those 12 boxes of porn that I left at your house. And his father, Paul Working, apparently confessed to destroying the collection in an email (laughs) to David. And he said, frankly, David, I did you a big favor by getting rid of all this stuff. Uh, His parents said that they told their son when he moved in that he could not bring pornography into their home or it would be destroyed. Uh, And in other emails, Paul said that he was shocked by much of the cover art of the collection, which he said uh, (laughs) depicted incestuous sexual relationships, sex with minors and animals, sexual assault, and slavery. (gasps) Yeah. So he didn't – the dad didn't watch any of it, but he was like, just from the covers, this is some really – awful stuff. His dad wrote in an email that you would buy and watch films depicting such violence is beyond the pale. I have no words to express the depth of my shock and disappointment. Believe it or not, one reason why I destroyed your porn was for your own mental and emotional health. I would have done the same if I had found a kilo of crack cocaine. So David denied that any of his pornography was illegal and his the materials were actually reviewed by the sheriff's department in Michigan, and they found no evidence of child pornography. No charges were filed in the matter, but I think apparently it was pretty, pretty like hardcore stuff. So, (sighs) but the reason that the police were alerted at all about this was not because his parents turned him in because of this questionable porn, but because instead of just letting this whole thing be, David decided to sue his parents for destroying- what he says is $25,000 worth of porn. Oh my god. Yeah, so and actually so this all went this went through the court system and US District Judge Paul Maloney ruled that Beth and Paul Working, who are the parents, will have to pay their son as much as $75,000 for destroying the porn. Wait, and his- how did $25,000 turn into $75,000? 
Well, because there is this thing, there's this thing in, yeah, well, it's called, it's called treble damages. And basically if somebody, like say I accidentally ran into your car, Uh I would have to pay for the damage to your car. But say I, I did it on purpose. It's called wanton destruct. I I was like, with evil in my brain, I was like, I'm going to destroy your car. Then you can get triple damages because of the intent. So it's basically like, if you do something on purpose, you have to pay more. So they asked for $75,000. There hasn't been a ruling on how much they're going to get, but basically his attorney asked for triple damages. And he said, this was a collection of often irreplaceable items and property because it was DVDs and VHS tape. Apparently that stuff can be valuable mm-hmm. because nobody uses it anymore. And there was like a detailed list of David's porn collection. And it was 1,605 individual titles of pornographic DVDs and VHS tapes and at least 50 sex toys and paraphernalia. That is so weird that he has like a mental or a written list of Uh, like he remembers each and every one. You now know why his marriage broke up, right? He's like, you Mm -hmm. know, like why he's got kicked out of his parents' home. But my favorite part of this whole story was – One of the articles on MLLive.com by John Agar, the headline was, Son wins lawsuit after mom throws away his best porno mags. Oh, my God. We all know (laughs) you got to fight for your right right. (laughs) to sue your elderly parents over your porno collection. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, yeah. That one's nuts. That one's nuts. That's my quickie. Love it. Well, I don't love it, but you know what I mean. Yeah, Enjoy yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My okay. quickie this week comes from an article for insider.com by Lindsay Dogson. And I actually came across this, a video, like that somebody had shared it on Facebook or something. And I was laughing so fucking hard. I, I laughed for like hours. And then I had to like Google, like, there's got to be more information about this. Because as you guys all know, like, so Sally and I have not been um, TikToking. We have not um, been (laughs) TikToking. Not for any other reason other than we're just tired. We're We're tired. We're just tired. We don't want to do it. But apparently we might need to rethink this because there's some fun stuff happening over there on TikTok. I did, Um, Jen. I did just... We ha- now have a dumb love TikTok account. If you guys TikTok, follow us because we are going to try it Happy out. Happy New Year. It's part of our, my New Year's resolution, which I'm like, I know I'm only doing this because I am not working right now. Like as soon as I go back to work, I'll be like, this is too much. This is too much. But we do for now have a TikTok account. You guys can find it. TikTok.com slash dumb love podcast. Nice. So, yeah. Good word. Um, so <laughs> you know how there's – um. You, there's like viral trends of different kind of challenges, like ice bucket challenge or yes. whatever. Well, there's been this TikTok trend that's happening where TikTokers are sending their boyfriends and husbands into stores to ask for feminine products that don't exist. <laughs> and there's like all these videos of these men coming out and their partners in the car, hysterical laughing with a video and just to see their reactions. Like in one video, which has over 6 million likes, there's a Kyle Winston who he has a TikTok account with his partner, Jade Winston, but he comes out of the shop looking flustered and he's like, 
you know, shaking his head like, oh my God, what did what did you do? And he said, I asked the lady, do you guys sell Uchikuchi 3000 or Uchikuchi 3000? And then he says, <laughs> and then Jade's just sitting there like dying laughing. And then he goes, first off, she looked at me like I was stupid. And then she said, hold on, let me check. <laughs> he said that the, he grabbed the um, store assistant and then they grabbed the microphone thing, you know, like the store microphone and was like, oh. guys, does anybody know if we sell Uchi Cooch 3000? And he said, <laughs> why did everybody burst out laughing? And he said, I hate you, Jane. And then um, there's all these other ones. You have to you have to go watch them. I mean, I was crying. My kids were wanting to know why I was laughing so hard and I had to like shove them away but then I like (laughs) sent this video to everybody I know but and I didn't send it to you because I wanted to save it for a quickie but there was another one you know me I know and I can't wait for you to watch these videos there's another (laughs) one these women are so creative with just the names of these products like there was another one where a woman named Aileen Christine sent out her boyfriend Devin Razy and she told him to uh, go get her some squeaky clean of vagina gets back to the car his hands are like thrown up in there and he's like squeaky clean of vagina i knew that wasn't a thing and then she <laughs> said he said that the um person at the counter was like oh yeah what does it do and he said i assume i assume it keeps your vagina cleaner <laughs> and then he said that um he then said to her does your girlfriend have a tiktok account by chance um, so oh my god they're just so funny my uh, i think one of the funniest names there's all these different ones names and that they came up with for these feminine products but i think the funniest one was a woman that sent her partner adam thorpe in to get magic flim flim fresh 2000 <laughs> i love the like 2000 i love the, the I love number the, at the end I know. I know there's numbers attached to all of them i love it magic flim flim fresh 2000 <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, this whole thing is hilarious to me. You guys, please check it out. Oh, you're probably seeing it if you're on TikTok, but if not, just Google. The hashtag is called Couples Challenge, I guess. Okay. On TikTok and prepare to laugh your fucking ass off for hours and hours because it's the funniest thing I've seen in so long. That's the kind of prank I love where it's Me just too. like, it's totally, it's to- <laughs> like nobody's getting hurt. Everybody's laughing. That is, that is perfect. perfect. Yes. Wow. And I do love that these guys were cool enough to go in there and get these things for their wives and girlfriends. I remember after I had my son Sullivan, my first born remember bobby um you guys hear me talk about all the time uncle baby bobby uncle baby bobby um, he came over <laughs> and and then he's yeah. like well i'm going to the store like what can i get you and i was like how comfortable do you feel buying like super absorbent pads and nipple cream and I was like, <laughs> totally serious <laughs> because I, I needed them. And he just kind of gave me this look and I was like, never mind, you don't have to do it. And I can't remember if he did or I think he might have done it because he's the best brother in the world. But um, <laughs> I just remember it, like the look on his face and I was like, how comfortable do you feel? <laughs> it was like it's great I, i've done it so many times <laughs> oh it's the nipple cream right I know. 
super absorbent. It like makes me hurt just thinking about it. Uh, I know. <laughs> so. Or being like, this is what it is. <laughs> good one. Yours Let's, is good too. These are we're starting out the new year right. Starting out the new year right. Okay. Hey Jen. Hey Sally. Are you ready for a wild story? Yes. <laughs> okay, so this one, I got my information from Dateline with Keith Morrison, mm-hmm. the best Dateline. Standard.net by Andreas Rivera, the Star Tribune by Brock Vergakis, and the Desert News by Linda Thompson. Okay. And it sounds it seems like it should be the Desert News, but there's I've looked at it many times. There's an actual there's an extra E in there somewhere. So Desert. Oh, I thought you were gonna say dessert news. <laughs> the dessert <laughs> news. What's this? What about? <laughs> it's my favorite website. No, Desert News. Okay. Okay. So on the morning of June 6, 1980. Are you back there? Are you back in 1980? Mm-hmm. You're not born yet. No, I'm six days away from being born. You're six days away from being born. Mm-hmm. This is a good time for you, not so much for these people. Okay, so a 911 call came into the dispatch of the small town of Woods Cross, Utah. The caller was a man named Steve Strom. And when the 911 operator asked what the problem was, Steve Strom was frantic. He answered, my wife's been killed. And he begged police to hurry to his house. He said he had just come home from work and found his wife Karen's body in their bedroom. And Steve worked nights operating a machine at this local aerospace parts company. So it was not, he worked the overnight shift. It wasn't out of the ordinary that he would just be getting home at 8 a.m. So when police arrived, the bedroom was a mess. It looked like there had been a really big struggle. And Karen looked as if she'd been severely beaten. And she was just 25 years old when she died. So people who knew Karen described her as kind, fun, pretty. They said she was really funny. She had a great sense of humor. She was a popular girl in high school in Salt Lake City. And she was also a bit unusual. Her family was Catholic, living in this hugely Mormon area. So she was she was kind of like this, you know, she was like the unique girl among all this, all these Mormons in her high school. So she was very popular. When Karen was just 18, she and Steve got married. Of course, like for the area, getting married right out of high school wasn't anything out of the ordinary. Everybody was doing it. So her family didn't, they, they were like, they love each other. Of course, they'll get married. Steve was quiet and Karen was super bubbly. But according to her high school friend, Melody, she really did love Steve and she enjoyed his company. Her little sister, Coco, agreed, saying Karen had really, really loved Steve and Steve had loved her. And yet, seven years later, when her friend Melody heard about Karen's death, it was in a phone call from her husband. And her husband said, well, it finally happened. Steve finally killed her. Oh, wow. Police focused on Steve, too. There was no sign that Karen had been raped. There was no forced entry, and there was no robbery. So this didn't seem like a random attack or anything like that. And there had also been reports of domestic violence within the marriage. Her friends said that when Steve would start drinking, he would verbally degrade her. There were rumors that he had been physically abusive. People at work talked about her coming in with black eyes. Sometimes police found out that a month before Karen was killed, she had actually moved out and filed divorce papers. Her friends and family thought that she had maybe started moving on and she was possibly dating someone new. But of course, it was complicated. They were young. She loved him. And like so many couples and women who are victims of domestic violence, it is, you know, they often go back 
several times right. before they make a clean break. So police found out on the night that she was killed, Karen had gone to see Steve and her friends and family knew about it. They thought this might be like a goodbye visit to work things out for the divorce. But Steve told his friend Dick Cantamine that he thought that Karen coming over that night meant that they were going to work things out. Like he was very excited. He told him like, we're going to get back together. So police were able to prove that Karen and Steve had spent the night together. They went to a restaurant and they returned back to their home together. And Karen had this like little yellow bright Camaro that she loved and it was parked in the driveway. So police could confirm with neighbors that the car was there, that when it had gotten back and that it was there all night. And Steve had left to go to work around 12.15 a.m. And he told the police that they had made up and that she had walked him out to the car and kissed him goodbye and said goodnight and that she had gone back into the house alone. And police could confirm that Steve did go to work when he said he did. Steve claimed that he called Karen early in the morning to wake her up for work, but she didn't answer. He called again, and then he clocked out at 7.30 a.m. and drove home, and that is when he said he found Karen. Of course, nobody believed him. Investigators began questioning his friends, his family, his coworkers. They collected evidence from the crime scene, from Karen's body, although because this was 1980, DNA tests weren't available yet. So even though they had all this evidence, they couldn't test it. Two months after Karen was killed, Steve was arrested for her murder. But despite this pretty thorough investigation, police could find nothing to tie Steve to the actual murder. They couldn't place him there. They had nothing more than the testimony saying that Steve was sometimes physically and verbally abusive to her and that Karen had filed for divorce. But other than that, they couldn't tie him to the murder. So as the trial got close, the judge actually determined that there was not enough evidence to go to trial and all of the charges were dismissed. Wow. Yeah. So it was like, it was awful. You know, I mean, awful for Karen's family, especially her little sister Coco, who believed in her heart that Steve Strom had gotten away with murder. And the whole community felt like that. Police thought Steve was guilty. They kept tabs on him, but they could never find any proof that he had murdered Karen. And so for 27 years, they all just had to live with this, like knowing that someone had gotten away from with murder, believing that the justice system had let the killer walk away and that Steve Strom was just out living his life and ha- he had killed Karen. Mm-hmm. So then in June 2006, Karen's sister Coco happened to be in Utah at a funeral. She was driving through Woods Cross, and on a whim, she was decided to stop at the local police department to see if she could push for evidence to be tested. And she had been fighting to find answers the whole time. But this was so she was like, I'm here. I'm going to go in person to talk to the police. So she walked in and she asked the desk sergeant, she said, ma'am, where can I find some information on a homicide that's never, and the desk sergeant goes automatically, oh, you mean Karen? And so obviously this is, the police had never forgotten about Karen's case. And in fact, this detective, Brad Benson, who had been a rookie at the time of Karen's murder, had just a few months before Coco walked into the police station, had decided to start reinvestigating the case. And Detective Benson had just started when the murder happened. He hadn't been part of the the initial investigation. And it actually had been this small area, Woods Cross. It had been their first homicide ever. So now he was 
a veteran cop. He was at the end of his career and he was like, I want to see if there's something I can do before I retire. So when he'd gone to look at what evidence was available, he'd actually found boxes and boxes of material that had been taken from the crime scene and that had just been sitting in the evidence room for 27 years. Why and in the- like, how, like, why was it never, did nobody ever look at it? I don't know. I, they don't say. I mean, I have to assume that they re-looked at this over the years because it okay. was such a, a small place. It was their first homicide ever. But there, I mean, this is so now this is 2006. So even now DNA evidence is wow. pretty new. So, but what they found in what he found in the evidence boxes was Karen's fingernails. They had clipped the fingernails and the chaos of the crime scene showed that Karen had fought back against her attacker. So Detective Benson was like, there might be DNA under the nails that could identify the murderer. So they were like, we've got it. Like, right, we can... Mm-hmm. Detective Benson sent the fingernails off and other pieces of testable evidence off to the lab, and he and Coco waited for the results. Detective Benson called Steve Strom, who had moved out of Utah and was living in Nevada, to let him know that he was had reopened the case, and he asked Steve to come to Utah and give a sample of his DNA. And within two days, Steve voluntarily came, he gave his DNA, and he told his old friend, Dick Cantonwide, that he was worried. So two weeks later, Detective Benson got the DNA results back, and they had a hit. And Benson called Coco, (laughs) told her they had a match. She asked who who it was, expecting to hear Steve's name, but Detective Benson said, it's Ed Owens. Oh, my God. And Coco asked, (gasps) who is Ed Owens? So Coco said she didn't know him. Her family didn't know him. None of Karen's friends knew Ed Owens. But Steve did know Ed Owens because the two had worked at the same company. So you'll remember that Steve ran a machine. Like, he ran this machine for this aerospace parts manufacturer. Well, Ed ran the same machine on the shift before Steve. So they knew each other. They crossed over like Ed would be coming off his shift when Steve was going on his. And Ed was fairly new to town. He didn't know anyone. So Steve had kind of taken him under his wing. And Steve's friend Dick said they all thought that Ed was a little weird, that he tried. He was like a guy who like tried too hard. He had like no social skills. Uh, But Steve was like the kind of guy who would try to include everyone. So he invited Ed to do things occasionally, including one time Steve and Karen had taken Ed and his wife Patricia on a double date. At best, they were casual work friends. Mm -hmm. So when Detective Benson looked at the original case file, he found that Ed Owens had actually been listed as a person of interest or a possible witness at the time of the investigation. He had given a statement at that time because he was the one who would have been there when Steve got to work. So back in 1980, Steve Strom had told the police that when he arrived at work at 12.45 a.m. on June 6th, Ed Owens wasn't there, as he should have been to turn over the machine that they both worked on. And he finally did show up, Steve said, a little after 4 in the morning. He was drunk. He was throwing up. And he claimed that he had left work at 8 p.m. and gone out to a local bar. And then Detective Benson also found statements from some of Steve's co-workers who told police they saw scratches on Ed's hands and face (gasps) in the days after Karen's murder. (gasps) But And police, like, cops, they took pictures of Ed and collected hair and blood samples. But at the time, there was no way to match it to anything. There was nothing to match. There was not – they didn't find someone else's blood at the scene. So so now Detective Benson is thinking – 
Ed got drunk. He decided to go to the Strom's house to rape Karen, but Karen had fought back and he had killed her. And he oh, knew – because Ed Owens knew when Steve would be at work, obviously. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and even though there was no forced entry, it was 1980 – People didn't lock their doors. And right. Karen had met Ed, so she might have opened the door to him. Yeah, and just let him come in. Yeah, and been like, why are you here? So Detective Benson contacted Ed and told him that the case was being reopened and DNA was being tested. And when they went to go talk to him, his wife, Patricia, told him that he had left town, leaving only a note for her, giving her like the numbers to their bank accounts and stuff. So now Ed Owens is on the run. Police wow. gear up to go look for him. And then they are surprised when Ed Owens actually shows up at the police station about two weeks later and turns himself in. And he denied any involvement. Right. But he was, right, of course. But he was charged with Karen's murder. And Karen's family felt relieved. They're, they might finally know what happened to their sister and daughter. Mm -hmm. Steve was relieved that he might finally be exonerated, that people might quit thinking that he murdered his wife. <sighs> yeah. I mean, that's got to be really hard too. What just when you're you've lost your wife and you're just trying to live your life and everybody thinks that you you killed her. Yes, exactly. So then so Ed is arrested. That was by the way, that was a total understatement when I just said like that's gotta be hard. That's, that's gotta, gotta be, a gotta tough be thing. like <laughs> completely traumatic and life altering and torture. I know. Yes. And it's not it's so hard because uh, he he did he did abuse her, right? So he yeah. did there was evidence of physical and true emotional so abuse. Not, still not the great guy, but he's not a great guy, but he also did murder. Yeah. At least the DNA is showing he didn't murder her. So right. so the trial's coming close for Ed Owens, but then, like, deja vu, right as the trial got close, the charges against Ed Owens were dropped. Why? So he was released in December of two 2007 because it turns out that the DNA that they found under Karen's fingernails, even though it did match to Ed Owens, it was seminal fluid. So it made it harder for the prosecution to make the case that that DNA came from Karen fighting off her attacker and because it could be what the defense was going to argue that it showed at best consensual sex. Okay. So the the county attorney at the time said that he felt like he needed more time to to prepare the case in light of this curveball which is why he dropped the charges. And in the courtroom on the day he was released, Ed's sister Lisa was like as they announced it she was like, "Yes." As his Ankle monitor was removed, and he walked out as a free man. His sister said, it's been true hell. We just knew he wouldn't do this. And his wife made a TV appearance saying, we've always stood by Eddie, saying that we knew he didn't do it. Anybody that knows Eddie knew he wouldn't do it. And Ed talked to reporters. He said he was relieved it was over. He said he had wondered the whole time while he was waiting trial. He said, they don't have anything. What am I doing here? He said he was shocked by the whole thing. And he thought, who are they going to go after next? And Steve Strom thought, it might be me. You know, he's like, when the charges against Ed Owens were dropped, he was horrified. And he told his friend Dick that he thought they were going to come after him again. And he said, it's going to start all over. So Ed Owens went home thinking it was over for him, but the prosecution continued to examine an, the evidence with an eye towards building their case against Ed. Because the more they dug into Ed's past, the more obvious it was that he was Karen's killer. Really? 
Because, so in 1973, Ed had been charged with kidnapping, robbery, rape, and assault with an intent to commit murder. Oh my god. Yeah, according to the case file, the young woman was hitchhiking, Ed had picked her up, drove, driven her to an isolated place, raped her, stabbed her with a screwdriver, <gasps> and then tried to choke her to death. Oh my god. And How although did this- she survive? I don't know, but she had- she had positively identified Ed and the car he was driving, but he was acquitted <gasps> on that charge because his parents gave him an alibi. Oh, God. So Ed was out Ed, – and at the time of these charges, he was actually out on parole because another young woman had accused him of raping her back in 1969. And in that case, he had been charged with rape, kidnapping, and robbery, and he had pled guilty to robbery, and the other two charges were dismissed. Did the police not know all of this when they were interviewing him in 1980? No. Oh, well, at least not that they could say in the case file. It it would seem like very obvious, especially since he had the scratches. But I think they just focused on Steve Strom from the beginning, which you can understand why. It's like, why why would Ed Owens? Yeah, yeah. this is an abusive husband. She (laughs) had just left him. It's textbook what happens, you know? So. Now they know all this about Ed. This seems like, okay, this is – it is this guy. So then uh, the prosecutors got a break. In the summer of 2008, they find two tiny specks of blood matching Ed Owens on Karen's underwear. And this blood allows prosecutors to now make the case that this was evidence Karen was fighting off Ed as he was trying to rape her. And so in August of 2008, charges were refiled against Ed Owens – he went to tri- he went to trial in March of 2009. It was a seven day trial. The defense claimed that Ed and Karen were having an affair. The prosecution said that Ed had gotten drunk at the bar and had gone to Strom's uh, the Strom's house with the intention of raping Karen, but that she had fought back and he had strangled her. And so, after two days of deliberation, the jury came back with a verdict, and it was guilty. So, hooray for that! Yeah. So, at the sentencing hearing. Everyone, so this happens like the sentencing hearing happens a couple months after the guilty verdict. There's all these different things that happen in between. But anyway, so now they're at the sentencing hearing and the, everyone is there in the courtroom. You know, the family is giving statements saying this is was the impact on me. And the judge takes that all into account. Everybody is shocked when it's announced that Ed Owens is going to make a statement. And generally, when someone has maintained their innocence in trial, they don't make statements because they want to protect their right to appeal. Like, they want to be able to still say, I'm innocent. But Ed Owens mm-hmm. goes in front of the judge, and he admits that he did kill Karen Strom. <gasps> wow. But he says that Steve Strom had asked me to kill his wife. He says, this is a quote from him, Mr. Strom had asked me to kill his wife on several different occasions, and then he finally offered me half of her insurance money to do it. Actually, what I did was I went over to warn her and tell her that he wanted her killed. As it turns out, there was an argument between her and I, and I ended up strangling her and killing her. How so does that argument everyone in the courtroom happen? is stunned. Because yeah. Yeah, like, hey, your husband wants you killed. And then and then she's yeah, like, I don't, no, I'm not he doesn't. That at all. And then he's like, I'm sorry, I have to strangle you. So the judge sentenced Ed Owens, who was now 58 years old, to five years to life in prison. And then how five long he years. actually- years? Well, I think that was just, that was like the mandatory sentence. So okay. how long he serves is up to the parole board. Mm-hmm. It was just like that was a sentence that was on the books in 1980. So that's what the judge had to sentence him to. But it's basically life in prison. So Detective Benson was 
weary, but he knew he had to investigate the claim that Steve Strom had hired at Owens. But they he investigated. They couldn't find anything to the claims. Although there was an insurance poly on, policy on Karen's life, they, it revealed that Ed's story was not credible. Steve Strom was not involved with Karen's murder. This was just like a, a vid, vindictive guy trying to take someone down with him. Mm-hmm. So in 2014, Detective Benson retired after 34 years in law enforcement. And at his retirement party, he was surprised by Coco Saltzgiver, who is Karen's sister, who drove all the way from Colorado for the occasion. Uh, Coco said she and, and Detective Benson shared a great bond after what he had done for his family. And at the party, there were all of these but Detective Benson's awards, his recognition and honors were kind of displayed, but at the center of it was a picture that he kept of Karen Strom that was labeled solved. And Coco said of Detective Benson, she said, he turned the darkness in my heart into light. My sister was at peace and I feel like now I can have some. Wow. Yeah. So that's the story of Karen Strom. So they they totally were able to prove that Steve had nothing to do with it. Yes, that there was no there was because there would just, have been evidence of him giving him money, right? I yes, mean, and, and that there, story <clears throat> sounds ridiculous. It does, especially like I mean, because you you the because of the also of the semen that was there, yeah, like all of these different things. Like he just wanted any. He was just trying. He's just like an evil person. <laughs> yeah, man. Crazy, dude. I know. Okay, let me, I'm gonna story. S- that was a real page turner. Well, yeah, it was a real page turner. It was up. It was down. It was all around. This way and that. Yeah, that's what that's what we're giving you in 2021, you guys. That's what we're doing. Nice. Hey, Sally. Yes, Jen. Would you like to hear a nice love story? I would love to hear a nice love story. I feel like. Let's start off 2021 the way we want it to go. Nice going to Happy Town. Yeah, I love it. This one's just pretty easy and nice, easy to swallow, easy to receive. <laughs> it's story. like it's like a uh, like a kitty's roller coaster, <laughs> like where you're like, oh, there's just minor minor ups and downs, but we're all having fun. Yeah, no, this one's more like the uh, swings, I guess. Just like, oh. <laughs> just gotta sit there and smile. Love it. Just nice. So this came from an article and a news story for fox13now.com written by Lauren Steinbrecher. And this just came out, so this is very recent. But a um, this takes place in, in Bountiful, Utah, which sounds All like right. a lovely place to live. Bountiful. That's where my, my crazy story took place, was in Utah. Oh, I guess this is a very Utah episode. And also, Which, <laughs> by the way, the new, if you follow Real Housewives with me, if you like them like I do, the new Salt Lake City Real Housewives franchise is pretty spectacular. Oh, yeah? Oh, I yeah. love it. It's great. <laughs> you would you would think you would, it sounds boring, right? You think like Salt Lake City, the right. Mormons, it's wild. I love it. I, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not gonna like. I'm not gonna watch it, but I do love for you that it's fun. <laughs> it's very fun. 
Uh, also, when you said bountiful Utah, I thought you were describing Utah. <laughs> like you're bountiful. I mean, I'm sure it is bountiful. Sure. Bountiful resident uh, Steve Brown, he found love in an unexpected place this year. It started months ago when he started playing the Nintendo Switch, which has been a huge part of our lives for the last year and even more so now that my, my son had a switch and then my daughter got a switch. I know it seems ridiculous to have two switches in the house. One is a light, one is a regular. They want to <laughs> be don't able have to justify to yourself listen. to me, Jen. It's the only thing I, she asked for. <laughs> I don't even know what a switch is. So <laughs> it's a game. It's a gaming thing. Yeah. But there's a game that, that my kids play and apparently he was playing a game called Animal Crossing. And what's great about Animal Crossing is they love it. They play together. They join each other's islands, but it's a game that you can connect with other people. Like, so uh, uh, my brother Bobby has plays Animal Crossing and it's, he lives in LA, we live in Atlanta, but they will be like, can I go to Uncle Bobby's Island? And so (laughs) they'll go to his (laughs) island and then they'll, you know, FaceTime with them and they play together. They give each other gifts and stuff. And it's a really cool way for people to connect. I don't know how to play it. I am not good at connecting. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, and also another fun thing about Nintendo Switch too is uh, my nieces and nephews, my nephews, Preston and William, they will call and say like, can Sully play? And then they join up together and then they play Nintendo together from, you know, it's a great way to connect during the quarantine. Anyways, so whatever you need, whatever it takes. So at the beginning of the COVID-19 shutdown is when he ended up picking up the Nintendo Switch and his work apparently halted during that time. And he's a single dad of two children and he really liked playing Animal Crossing, which is very um, relaxing and calming. It's a very relaxing game. He said, this was kind of my escape from the real world. It's a very slow paced game, so it wasn't stressful for me. So it allows players to build their own little world on an island and then like i said and you can interact with other players on other islands and they talk with other characters and they you collect and trade currency and so apparently he had racked up a massive amounts of currency called bells i don't know what that means but i believe you sure and so he went (laughs) on an animal crossing facebook group and offered to give away some of his bells for free very giving act very nice and that's when he saw a comment by a woman named Shayla Johnson and Shayla just kind of caught his eye he met up with her virtually on her island okay (laughs) so (laughs) he met with her and then he gave her the bells and then he says I gave her the bells and all of a sudden she asked me if I wanted to see her island so we ran around and we were communicating through text message Uh so a friendship immediately. I've had happened. a guy ask me that before. You want to run around my island? Do you want to see my island? <laughs> I was like, give no. me some my bills. <laughs> um, and so they immediately struck up a friendship. They played for four hours. That's a long time. That and so then time. they started to like play together regularly and they would text regularly. And he said, we clicked and hit it off. We started talking some more and we realized we had a lot more things in common than we realized. So not just Animal Crossing stuff, but real life stuff. So yeah. then they found themselves talking outside of Animal Crossing and then they fell in love from a distance is what they said. He says that it's, it feels like they had known each other their whole lives. So Aww. this 
August, he ended up flying to Indiana to visit Shayla. And I hope he did it safely with mess on. <laughs> but he said that it was pretty magical when he met her for the first time in person. He said that we realized at that point, this is serious. We really love each other. So oh. what's what really something is that <laughs> when he went to go meet her, he secretly had a engagement ring with him. Wow. He said that he wanted to see how, like, and so he didn't know that he was going to propose to her yet. He brought an engagement ring just in case, and he wanted to see, like, how they vibed first before he proposed. Um, Wow. He says he doesn't like to plan things out. He likes to live in the moment is what he said. So because things went very well, he asked Shayla to marry him. She said, it felt right, and I immediately said yes. Steve said, I knew there was a connection I felt with her, and that moment was real, and I knew that I didn't want to spend it with anyone else. So now the couple, thanks to Animal Crossing, is together, and they are planning a wedding, and also they're planning Shayla's move to Bountiful Utah. Bountiful um, Utah. she will... uh, come live with Steve starting in January and they still play animal crossing together. And Steve's daughter, Audrey enjoys playing with them as well. So during a crazy time, a family formed together. They found love where they least expected it. Shayla said, my heart is telling me to go to Utah to be with him and we'll start our life together. And I'm trusting that I'm trusting my heart. And Steve says, I want to know that people, regardless of how scary the world is today and how depressing it can be, that there is hope, there is joy, there is light. And you can find it in a Nintendo Switch game. (laughs) On somebody's island. (laughs) So best of luck to the couple. I really hope it works out for you. Sound like you really found your soulmate. Best wishes to you and your families in the new year. Yeah, you know, I... I've said this before, but, uh, you know, it's like my first instinct always when someone's like, oh, we just met and then we fell in love and then we got married. I'm like, okay, hold on. But then I'm like, that's what happened to me. (laughs) That's what happened to me. Like we, you know, everybody was like, whoa, hold your brakes. You know, we knew each other for like three weeks and then moved to a state and moved in together. And we would have probably gotten engaged right away, but- like just you know we had we were so broke (laughs) like we had no money but you know so i'm like it it happens it does happen and sometimes you know you know sometimes when you know you know so i i uh i think it's wonderful for them and i just think you know we asked on our instagram because last week we did our roses and our thorns of 2020 (laughs) and so i asked on instagram you know, what people, what their rose was for 2020. And, you know, we had a couple of our listeners, like one got engaged and then another couple, um, Libby and Nathan Owens got married. And it's Mm -hmm. like, it's just nice to hear like good things that came out of the year that every, you know, was so horrible for everyone. Um, It's just nice to hear those bright spots. And so I'm glad that these, this couple had one of those bright spots. Yes. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. too. Cool. Good one. I love that. That was a nice, sweet, wonderful love story to Just start like off our 2021. Cream. It was like a bowl Without of ice cream, especially after it. my really <laughs> dark story. So, <laughs> all right, let's do something dumb and something we love. All right. 
you start? So the thing that was dumb is that I woke up New Year's Day with the worst neck pain ever. But the thing that I love is that I remember that my doctor had prescribed me uh, muscle relaxers. And so I took one of those last night. And holy cow, did I sleep like a baby. You and I both got so much sleep last night yeah. that we got on we this. And we, That's like a- we were both like... I got 12 hours of sleep last night. I'm feeling so positive about things. You're like, oh, that's what it takes is to not be exhausted. (laughs) Yeah. Like we think we were supposed to record yesterday and then I was just like feeling like I had hit a wall and I was like, can we do it tomorrow? And I'm so glad that we did because we both got 12 hours of sleep last night, which is unheard of. Yeah. And I feel like um, you know, we were able to come to this episode in the new year, starting out right and positive and feeling good. Yeah, I do feel yeah. good. I feel good about good things happening for dumb love this year. Yeah. 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 I feel good. I feel Hell positive. Yeah. Thanks. So what's your dumb in love? Um, so I guess dumb is you know what is so dumb is that when I think of last year. The, on January 1st last year, I broke my toe on January 1st. Oh, right. And what's dumb is that I thought to myself, well, at least I'm getting the worst part out of 2020 <laughs> out of the way. <laughs> and it'll be smooth sailing from here. Uh, so that was dumb that I truly uh, thought that. Yeah. Um, so oh, yeah. Is- I mean, this is so sorry to be so dark, but like, you know, we had my mom's memorial last year on. January third, yeah. and, and I was like, "All right, we're gonna get this done, and then it's just gonna be a great year." Twenty nineteen yeah. sucked. This is gonna be great. <laughs> I know, oh, such oh. idiots. But <laughs> I really want to believe that this is gonna be a great year for everyone. Things are gonna change. But the thing that I love is, you know, just looking forward to a new year and new things going on. Also, what made me remember the fact that I broke my toe last year um, on the first because I completely forgot about it was because there's this – did you guys see that on Netflix, that show called uh, Death to 2020? Oh, I saw – I haven't watched it, but yeah. Uh, It's really funny. It's really funny. Yes. Um, It's very entertaining, but it'll make you remember like, oh my God, and then that thing happened and that thing happened and that (laughs) thing happened. And it's just like really a truly incredible – year that we have had and and that it's not all funny i mean there are things that that'll make you want to like cry with laughter and some things that'll just make you want to cry but um it's but it's just a really good pack let's pack it up let's acknowledge that it happened yeah let's put it in a box let's light it on fire (laughs) and we'll send it off off to to see (laughs) (laughs) so definitely check that out so i guess Man, and yeah, I'm excited for um we've got a, like some big plans for Dumb Love this year and I'm very excited about it and I'm really grateful for all of you guys for sticking with us this whole time and listening. We really yeah. appreciate it. We do Thank appreciate you. it. Thank, Thank you guys so much. If you want to contact us, you can find us uh, you can email us at dumblovepod at gmail.com. You can join if you want to support the pod, join us on Patreon. If you want to just uh, you know, just play some fun games, see what we're posting, find pictures from the episodes. You can look at our Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. It's all at Dumb Love Podcast. Um, and now we're on TikTok, and I 
there's one video on there. We'll and see. I haven't what even seen it yet. <laughs> I know it's very exciting. Um, so yeah, find us, find us on all the places. Give us a rate and review, and uh, we would love that. Tell a friend. That's yes. all the things you need to do. Um, and thank do you that. guys. And also get out there and do something dumb for love. Dum 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 d